Episode 43. Yep. It's go time. It's go time. It's go time. Episode 43. It's go time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, let's do it. This is when the music kicks in. First. Welcome back, Wing It Podcast, GooseDigital.com, episode 43. Who do we have? Robin Kroll. Chris O'Neill. Jen Pugsley. Ooh, Jen Pugsley. <laughs> Chris. Oh, Jen Pugsley came in twice there. Did you hear that twice? I felt like I heard that twice. Maybe that was just me. <laughs> the rest of the other people did too. Um, we're talking about building your opt-in email list, right? I feel like we, I'm getting, I'm getting some deja vu on this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Some deja vu on this part of, of the podcast. Cause we talked about it yesterday. Cause we talked okay, about it. Is yesterday. that why? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the day um, so yes, we, this isn't exclusive to the insurance industry, but we're putting it into the insurance stream because we've been having uh, a lot of conversations in that area. But it's not, it, you know, any, every business that, that communicates over email should really be thinking about how to build and maintain um, a quality opt-in email list. So we're going to talk about, you know, why, uh, why you should do it. Um, just getting a little feedback there. Uh, current state um, and the concerns that we're seeing kind of on the front lines. Uh, strategy around building the list and strategies around kind of maintaining it, keeping it current. So... Yeah, just jump right in here. So in terms of why you should have a process to continuously build and clean your email list, um, let's just go through that for a little bit here. So uh, Robin, can I turn it over to you to start? Start us off? Sure, sure. And, and I just want to touch on, you know, your point about, uh, you're right, insurance industry is not unique about the email. Um, but as we've seen over the last couple of years, you know, insurance providers are starting to use email more as a communication tool, where historically they would have done things, you know, more uh, face-to-face or even through, um, you know, mail or phone. So email is becoming even more important for them. Um, but, you know, some of the things when you're, you're building out your email list, there, there's definitely some things that you, you, you want to keep in mind. And I think one of the first things has to do with uh, privacy, um, and looking at, at uh, CASEL compliance. So, you know, when you're looking to capture those email addresses, making sure that you're doing that uh, in the proper format, that you are, um, you know, explaining to your customers why you are using their email address, <laughs> excuse me, um, and getting them to, to opt in. So, you know, there's really no value to having an email address, but then not being able to use it. So that, you know, it's part of the, the proper proper process uh, to be able to to do that. And then, of course, uh, maintaining that email address. So, you know, people change email addresses over time, um, and it's important to keep that updated so that you are able to communicate, and then that, of course, is impacting your deliverability. So these are just some top-line things that you want to keep in mind as you're building out that strategy to go ahead and, and capture those email addresses. So when you think of, you know, some of the conversations that we're in around, um, I guess almost taking a step even further back from why you should 
have a process to continually maintain it and build it. I guess it really comes down to some of those use cases that we're seeing in marketing automation and we'll, we'll, we'll use insurance use cases. And I think you touched on a few of them like going paperless, but maybe we can turn it to Jen here for a minute and then to Chris on, you know, what are, what are they trying to do with, with email to begin with? What are some of those, you know, those things that we're seeing as like ideas that, that we're either bringing to the table or that, um, the brokers and the carriers have and want to leverage and, and then, and then we can look at, well, to leverage it, you know, you really need to make sure it's quality. So Jen, why don't you fire off a few of those, of those, um, top use cases well, that, that we're seeing. So, you know, even, um, what, what, what we're seeing over the last, you know, I'd say year, year and a bit, um, when you're focusing on, you know, even into like later stages of, of lead nurture and then into customer marketing, there's all these use cases that um, these providers are now using email as a, as a principal communication tool. So whether it's a new customer welcome or a cross sell or a rule touch point, um, all of these things, they're, they're heavily relying on email because what they're doing is augmenting a real world experience through email. So it's got to be highly personal, high, highly personal, highly um, have that same kind of warm and feel as if, as if the agent was kind of on the phone or, or the producer was on the phone. So um, it is the gateway. So if you don't have a healthy email list, you're not going to, or, or you're not to Robin's point, following privacy rules and castle compliance and preferences, your whole email strategy or communication strategy is going to kind of break down in the in the later stages or even the beginning stages if you can't do something like deliver to the inbox so yeah chris what are you seeing in terms of some of those you know big drivers around leveraging email in this, in this yeah industry? so yeah so with respect to a lot of what's happening since certainly we've had that that sort of hardening of the market over the last you know 18 months we've definitely been seeing a lot more interest in going out to the existing base, going out to the existing base with uh, cross sells, with, you know, upsells, with, um, with specific products on top of, of products, which allow uh, uh, for, for those that have a really solid email list, those can be extremely effective. But one of the things that we're finding too is that there's almost like a reluctance to go there to sort of, and the, the, the recognition is that yes, this is a great way of sort of adding to a, to a, a policyholder's um, revenue by going ahead with, uh, with you know, adding something on. But there's a, a real concern about the quality of the email list that's in their system. And so sometimes the conversation right at that point stops because the the concern about what do I have to do in order to get my email in good enough shape that I can actually do some of this stuff um, right. and if we have the, if that conversation comes up we have an ongoing you know we can we can sort of move forward with it but if that if, if it's such a source of, of uh, you know embarrassment or a source of like you know shame that that, that the email that the email uh, addresses are not there that we can't really overcome that so to me it's like for your new customers that are coming in co collecting the email is is like very very routine but for those that have maybe been on the book for a number of years 
um, you know, we're finding, like generally speaking, it can be more than 50% of a, of, of a client base may not have a current or usable email address attached to them. And that really can impact your ability to grow your book. 100%. So I think that's a good way to get in or a good, you know, pivot into the, the current state. Um, let's talk, I think we've talked about opt-in and, and um, some of the castle stuff, but why don't we talk a little bit about, you know, the idea behind recency and, and deliverability. If, if we, mm-hmm. if you haven't been e- emailing this, the, the, the base very often, and certainly if you don't have strong tools that help you really understand the deliverability and the, um, the engagement with the emails, then it's probably, you know, hard to, to really analyze your, your, your base of, of email addresses that you do have to say, well, what is our current state? Like, is this, is this good? Is it bad? Like I've got technically 60% filled out, but those 60%, are they, are they good? Are, are, are they, are they, are they recent? Are they, will they deliver? So who wants to take that one? I think I can take that one. I think um, anytime you're kind of starting fresh, a good idea is to clean your list through a provider. Um, Goose uses Never Bounce. We've used other other ones in the past, um, but that is kind of like a must-have starting point. And then you can really start to see, um, you know, it kind of tests the inbox. You can see your what, what will deliver. You can see what is a bad or, or not a great email address. And that at least gives you a starting point um, that's highly, you know, recommended versus just kind of, you you know, you can kind of achieve the same thing by doing a one-time deployment and seeing who bounces, but that is definitely not a good way to to start off your email reputation because um, all those kind of hits on the bounces and the spams will will uh, decrease your your reputation, whereas the never bounce is going to detect all of that stuff up front and protect you from uh, from taking that hit. Yeah, there's a, there's a big risk, you're right, Jen, in doing it that way, just saying, let's go ahead and test and see what happens. And I think a lot of, a lot of, of companies don't understand that, um, that there is a risk to their reputation, which is then going to go, go ahead and impact deliverability for further campaigns. Um, and, and the benefit is, as you mentioned, doing the cleansing uh, up front is, uh, and I think, Michael, you alluded to this as well. So, you know, you can look at your list and say, well, got 60% of customers actually have an email address associated with the insured's name. But until you do that process through a never bounce, you don't know is that 60% is usable, is only half of that usable. And you certainly don't want to go ahead and, and start out when you knowing, well, half of those emails are, are not going to get into the inbox. So starting with that, that cleansing process, and then, you know, once you understand what the gap is, you can then go to that next step and say, all right, there are different processes and tools that I can use to go ahead and fill in those gaps. And that's a much better approach to do that. Chris, anything you want to pop in there? I guess the only thing I'd I'd pop in there, again, pretty well covered, but um, knowing how much of um, of, of your emails are actually getting to the right spot. Um, you know, obviously there's been a lot of, um, you know, a lot of attention given to 
uh, spamming. And uh, this is why this whole reputation thing has kind of come, you know, you know, come out of that, um, you know, and, and there are still, you know, places in the world just south of our border where, you know, there isn't that sort of requirement for castle for for the equivalent of castle for the uh, you know you can basically just get a list and kind of you know hammer it out and, and see what happens but when you have a system that's capable of letting you know what you know um what your your actual land rate is on like getting the on getting the emails into the right email box and this would mean that you would be able to your your emails would have to render properly no matter what that client's side is sitting okay. on whether it's a pc or a mac or, or a phone or whatever it is okay. it has to render in such a way that they can read it and so like and if it doesn't then basically what's the value of doing an email campaign so there there is the, the, the there's the, uh, the the important thing is is to to know are you getting into that email box we've had a lot mm -hmm. of conversations with customers who are actually using technical solutions that are not actually helping them get into the email box and you know and there's like sometimes there's a recognition of that and sometimes it's just no we're just blasting them out and we're sort of you know taking what whatever comes from that when you don't have any measurement around whether you're hitting the right spot you know it's tough to kind of build a you know build a um uh, an argument for you know, yep. invest more and growing that part of your of your uh, campaign if you don't have sort of numbers. Yeah, and it's a downstream. You know, then it then it's a downstream effect in terms of um, being able to develop those strategies, right? So if you, to Jen's point, if you get out of go out of the gate with without a clean list or really knowing your current state. And then you may not have the right tools in place to fully understand your delivery, your delivery rate and, and all that aspect once you do have a clean list to then be able to go back as a, as a team and as a business to say, this is how we're performing. You know, at, you know the mm -hmm. 60 mm -hmm. turned into 55 after we cleaned it and we had a 95% delivery rate and, you know, and we had X amount of opens, I think, you know, some of those metrics, those, those kind of core quality metrics around email are, are misunderstood. You know, yes, we're not just looking at open rate and click rate. We need to understand the downstream impact of, of um, quotes and, and binds and, and how that would all evolve, you know, uncover if we were running, mm -hmm. let's say, a cross-sell campaign or if it's a customer service campaign. But for the fundamentals, you, it's like it's like garbage in, garbage out, right? If you put, if you don't have the right fuel, and then you don't. Here's we're having some technical difficulties. <laughs> All right, we'll pick up on it then, and I'll shut my video down in case it's killing the uh, the bandwidth. Yeah, I think what we were saying is that you know the whole garbage in, garbage out concept. You know, we often forget, you know, we get so kind of obsessed with building these insurance use cases and strategies. And yes, you know, the quote combines and, and the revenue and the responses and all that kind of stuff is, is obviously very critical. But, you know, we often forget, well, if we have a 30% a delivery rate, well, that, right. that, that's the first thing that needs to be yeah. super high in, in order for it all to, in order for it all to work. Well put. That was good, Jen. That was good. That was not glitchy. Can you guys hear me okay now? 
Yeah, now we can. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about strategies for uh, building the list. How do we go about building the list? Robin, I'll let you, I know you're, you've, you've wrapped some of these campaigns up recently. So why don't you talk about, you know, how should you think about this? Yeah, so you're right. We, we've, uh, we have certainly talked about this quite a bit over the last uh, couple of months. Um, so, you know, once you get to the point you understand, you know, the volume of emails you have, which, you know, what percentage of those emails are actually uh, deliverable, the next step is to try and fill in that gap. And, and um, there's lots of opportunity to do that. Um, and this is where your other uh, channels come into place. So if you don't have an email address or an insured, um, you're gonna have a, a mailing address. So there's an opportunity to build out a direct mail campaign. Um, and you can develop one that's personalized with the message coming from an assigned producer, um, delivering a, a message that explains the, the value. Why would um, an insured want to go ahead and provide their email address? And one of the amazing things that we can do with direct mail now is we can personalize that to a scale just like we do with email. Um, so it's, it's a very uh, personalized message that's coming out to the end insured, um, including a link to a landing page, making it very easy for that insured to just go ahead and type in that link and uh, submit their email address, have them opt, at, have them opt in, um, and then have that information then automatically flow into to the broker or into the insurance provider. In some cases, there's an opportunity to develop text-based campaigns where you can send, again, a personalized message uh, via cell phone number to capture that same information from the insured. And then a third opportunity is to leverage the producers and the CSRs. You know, very often they will be on the phone every day. They are speaking to a certain number of insured and create a process where every time they're talking to an insured, they're asking, can we just confirm that this is your current email address? And then um, also having them funnel through through a landing page. So lots of different opportunities to capture that information. And as you put those processes in place and you have the right measurement, you will start to see that that percentage of email addresses will gradually grow from that 60, 70, 80. Um, and you're, you're really, you know, they, the goal, you're never going to have 100% um, email capture um, because there are some people who are not going to want to provide that. Um, they might be concerned from privacy reasons or they might say, I prefer to have my communication done by phone or, or by uh, direct mail. Mm -hmm. And that's absolutely fine. But if you can get to that 80%, 85%, that's huge. That means there's 85% of your insured that you're going to be able to um, get a message into their inbox. So those are a couple of the strategies. And those are things then, you know, and, and the idea is that this is not a one-time thing. Obviously, if you're, you know, you're moving from 60 to 80%, that's going to be a specific initiative. But this is something that you will want to keep on rolling so that you are keeping that that 80 or 85 percent so it's something that should become part of your uh, your regular processes to have those types mm -hmm. of things and leveraging your internal teams as well yeah i think you know we could talk we i don't know if it's it kind of appropriate to move on to preferences but this is where you know once you're kind of through that step 
your preferences are going to be really important and, and having a subscription management center that the insured or, or if it's in, in a carrier situation, you're working with brokers, um, that they pick the, the types of communications that they want to see from you. So maybe they want to stay on your newsletter, but they really don't care about the events that you're holding or yes, they want to receive critical bulletins and policy information, but they don't want your newsletter or, or, or whatever. Um, you know, those, those are, those options are, are, are really, really critical, I think. And then you can start using those um, preferences in your segmentation strategy and further strategy. The other thing that you can do is, you know, in order to keep those fresh, you know, run an annual or biannual or even quarterly um, kind of, you know, hey, want to just make sure we're still in sync with what you want to see from us and those you can redirect them back to the preference center in order to make sure that that stuff is still fresh um a lot of times like i think it's kind of funny how you know, we monitor the responses that come in right and the opt-outs and you know one day it's like no i don't want to receive this and then four weeks later it's like hey how come i'm not receiving this it's like well because you actually <laughs> opted out of That's that funny. one you know three weeks ago right but it's uh, obviously you don't say that <laughs> but uh yeah so the, the preferences i think is is a big one um what about um what about the concept of uh not having as many people in your database that you that you know you need so one of the things we've been kind of this isn't really about an email thing per se i mean it's driven from email but one of the things we've been coming up to lately especially on the commercial side is um or and even the personal line side is sometimes all the clients won't be in the bmf right so there'll be like a segment where well we know we have more if we're trying to run a cross sell or we're trying to run something well we know we have more than a thousand people in this segment where is everybody right if you want to start you know looking at the health quality of just your contact base uh, and a route that we've been seeing working is going to the carrier and asking for that list and then it may not have won't have email addresses per se unless you've given that or they have that that field but you can then at least see the discrepancy and sometimes it's kind of shocking where oh we were missing 400 people how you know in the in in the bms right so the, i think the data mining and data quality and health can get you know go goes really far once you really start um getting into it and, and managing it yeah, that's a good point, Jen, because if you're not actually looking at those lists, you're not going to know that there's a gap. So that, that's actually a, a really good point. The starting point is understanding, um, you know, who can you contact and, and is that really everybody that you should be able to contact? One of the things that, that I think sometimes gets, get, gets lost in the, uh, the translation um, with you know, when we're speaking about some of these marketing um, ideas and these marketing uh, concepts is that it's kind of like, why do I want to do all this stuff? And I just want to make the point of what this does is it, it gives you a chance to grow your existing book. So when you have a, a, a bunch of customers that are buying from you and they trust you, the ability to kind of get out with another product or get out with um, with a uh, like a uh, an upsell something to that to that existing base 
the, the reality is that you've got a very good chance of actually selling that. And our customer base is typically expecting to be contacted by email. So you're like, you're, okay. you're a modern, a mar modern organization is going to be keeping in touch with their customers. The customer wants to know what better and more value is available. And this is a very cost effective way of getting out there to your existing customers and giving them a reason to do more with you. That's really what it's all about. Yes. At the end of the day, it's like, you know, you want to grow. If you want to grow, then you've got to be doing these kinds of things to make sure that you're making the most out of your, you know, out of the reputation that you've, that you've built, out of the uh, referrals. And uh, again, we didn't even talk about very much about referrals, but to build in sort of an email campaign okay. around referrals, there's all kinds of different creative ways, but without that, that basic email ability, um, you know, your costs of, of communication are way higher. So this is like, it's a no-brainer. The, the, the email is a no-brainer. Uh, anyone that's wondering if it's got value is really got to take a look because it is the, the most effective means of growing your business. And that's something that, that, uh, that, that I want to sort of get across here. It's not just about all the finesse around marketing and tech. It's about growing your business, adding revenue, growing your your um, your value per policyholder, which is really what I think mm -hmm. most people to grow their business are looking at. So, growing your your average policyholder revenue—that's what it's all about. That's what email. Yeah, there's this, you know, there's this thing, the, the the thing around growth and communication, or even even if you bring it to the service level, I think is is so exciting because there's so much going on in, in a CSRs and producers world that like, you know, not all, and we see it in our world too as an agency, like there's just some things that you miss from a communication perspective or that, that just should always be standard, right? And, you know, you get busy, you're moving a mile a minute and sometimes those things are, it's just really easy to get lost when you've had 30 calls in one day, for example, right? Um, you know, we see this in the renewal use case where you can really get ahead with some of that really, really important message to your customers that often kind of gets lost when you're going through the motions, right? Or, or you're, yeah. you're just so busy. Like an example is like assuring your customers that um, you are doing the shopping for them, right? That is a broker's role at renewal is that you've got access to 30 markets or 10 markets or five other markets. And let's face it, shopping for insurance is not fun, right? Especially if you've got a couple vehicles and a house and a boat and all this stuff, you know, if, if that experience in itself is, can be a huge time waster to then go down a path with another agent and getting quotes to then find out, oh, I'm actually not really saving that much money. That was kind of a huge waste of three days, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas just getting that message out to your customer to say, hey, and however you want to say it, that we are doing the shopping for you. Don't worry. We're going we're gonna to put our best foot forward here on, on coverage and price. It's, so it's all those little nuances that like when you're going a mile a minute, you kind of forget what your principal timeline or what it really fundamentally should be. And email can be used as another communication to just kind of reinforce those, those core yeah. messages.
And I think one of the All things right. that we learned, uh, nope. I know we talked about this before, but you know, one of the many lessons from COVID when for a while email was the only channel, right? That was actually getting, reaching uh, the insured when uh, insurance providers then suddenly realized there was a huge value to having an email list, having a, a cleanse list. And over the last five months, the um, openness of individuals to receiving information via email. So even segments of customers who before said, no, I need the face-to-face -face or I need the phone call, now have uh, grown to uh, accept and even expect communications to come through email. So, you know, we, we know that email has always been a valuable channel, but this has really solidified that. All right. I think that's great. Can you guys hear me now? We can. Yeah. All right. We had some technical, some technical difficulties there, but yeah, so I think that's really good. This is a good place to kind of wrap it up. Um, you know, I, I love the value points that, that were brought up earlier, Chris, about, you know, why, why are we actually doing this? Um, and what, what's possible uh, is I think then there is a differentiation between the technology delivery of, of, of your email and the data itself, which has been largely this conversation and the strategy. And I think um, all of this kind of leads us to that, you know, email in 2020, while very important and, and we can see the value that, that would come from it, it's actually kind of hard. Like it's not a straightforward mm -hmm. grab, a, grab a widget, fire it off. I mean, you know, no one likes to receive three emails in a row from, from companies that, you know, you're a member of and it's like, well, why am I getting the three emails at the exact same time? Or why do I never hear from them until right, right upon renewal and these types of things. So I think it's, it, 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 it isn't easy, but there, there is, there are ways, you know, common ways to overcome these challenges. And I think, if you're a broker principal uh, looking at this or listening to this or someone that's involved in, in the growth of the business, just to your point is just to really consider um, all, all of those aspects, you know, that it's not just the ability to send it. It's, it's looking at the data quality. It's looking at what are we trying to achieve from a business perspective and ensuring that all those things align and, and you can look um, look down behind the numbers to uh to understand the path that you're on because it will be a path to get to a, a high performance um email marketing function in your in your uh, insurance business so that's great thanks everyone thanks Bye. all done Bye. Peace. peace talk to you later stay safe <laughs>